Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Feminine Boudoir Podcast from Candy Apple Press. I am your humble publisher and main writer of Candy Apple Press, Kylie Gable. I have just gotten back from vacation. It was wonderful to take a week off. And now that I'm back, I can tell you it sucks because I really miss my vacation. But I think we have an awesome episode today. I have two new voiceover actresses for this show. The first one is Mistress Lilith, who does an amazing job with my story, April's Fool. If you have listened to the audio of April's Graduation or of April's Easter Bunny, this is the first story in that whole series. The one that kind of sets up the current situation for April and Paul. The second new audio person is me. Now, my voice is nowhere near as sexy as Mistress Lilith, or frankly, any of the women that I have had on this show before. But the story is one that I wrote, and it's autobiographical. So I figured it made the most sense for me to do it. So let's start off with Mistress Lilith reading April's Fool in this particular snippet. Paul and April have had a chance meeting at their condo uh, mailboxes. Paul had no idea that she had moved into the building, and she supposedly had no idea that Paul lived there either. Um, Their first meeting was awkward, although she apologized for her horrible behavior to Paul in the past. And just when his guard is down, that's when this particular segment takes place. He couldn't get over that he was now in the home of his worst high school enemy, the girl who had haunted his dreams and fantasies for so many years. Paul smiled to himself as he saw April approach with two wines. She looked even more amazing after all these years. He took the glass she offered to him and tried to stay in control. I like your place, April. Well, thank you, Paul. Let's toast to catching, I mean, getting to know each other better. I'd like that, he said. Now, what were you saying, Paul? Oh, he said, his face already. I think you decorated your place nice. Why, thank you. I have a small decorating business. Maybe I'll get to decorate your place, too, sometime. It could use your touch, that's for sure, said Paul, slurring his speech slightly. He had only had half a glass of wine, but he was definitely feeling fuzzy-headed. I knew you'd like my taste, Paul, said April. After all, you did steal my panties. Huh? I didn't steal your Pennies, he slurred, the buzzing in his head getting loud. That's odd. My purple boy shorts went missing from my basket right after you were using the laundry room. So, what does... Oh, 
Are we having trouble thinking clearly? I took the liberty of adding a little something to your drink. Three crushed up Ambien. You're going to be going to sleep for a while, Paul. No, you can't. I won't cut you. He protested before fading out. Nighty night, Paul. Or should I say Nicole? April giggled. When Paul awoke, he knew that things were wrong. He was lying on his side, and he couldn't move his arms or legs. Looking down towards his feet, he could see that he was now wearing a purple bra that matched his panties. The hair that had grown on his chest was gone, and so was April. His mouth was plugged with something rubbery, and no matter what he did, he couldn't dislodge it. He was lying on the floor of April's living room, and his ankles were tied to the couch leg. Memories of his conversation with April began to flood back into his mind. He remembered that she had accused him of taking her panties. He had tried to deny it, but it had been a really bad idea to wear them to her. He knew from experience that pantyhose could be tied into very tight knots, and that was what restrained him. He also knew that if April had tied him like this, he wouldn't be getting out without her help. Paul laid in silence for a half hour before he heard footsteps. He was near panic when he saw the door to the con. In walked April and a brunette woman he wasn't sure he recognized. Both women were carrying large cases. Oh, good, Nicole, you're awake, said April enthusiastically. You remember my friend Sarah, don't you? Paul remembered Sarah. How could he ever forget her? She was the one who documented all of the mean things that April and her friends did to him. It was Sarah who took the photos they used to homecoming queen, and who made him a website with all of the blackmail pictures of him she collected. Through his school days, he always knew that one key stroke from her would ruin him. Paul could barely move, trussed up as he was, and his brain was still fuzzy from the pills April had slipped into his drink. He could do little but quietly observe the two young women carrying up. Hey, Nicole, smirked. She was almost as striking as April, though a very different type. Her coal-black hair was a stylish bob with a streak of sapphire running through her bangs. She wore a tight t-shirt and painted-on jeans that didn't meet the bottom of her shirt. I got so good at taking pictures of you, I became a professional photographer. This is all my gear. Paul didn't like the sound of it. High school was one thing, but they could ruin his business with the types of photos Sarah used to take, let alone how Sandra might react. In a panic, he redoubled his efforts at escaping, but soon realized that just like back in high school, he would be tied up until his tormentors released him. You'll have to excuse Nicole for not getting up, teased April. You can still tie up a sissy as good as ever, I see, said Sarah. We all have our hobbies, replied. Nicole, I'm going to finish getting you ready while Sarah sets up her equipment. You won't give me any trouble, will you? 
You know what will happen if you do? Paul just nodded. He hated to admit he knew exactly what would happen. April could be perfectly sweet as long as he did everything she told him to, but if he balked, protested, or refused, she would make him regret it. That's how it always had been, and he was sure that was how it always She untied his ankles. She then guided him back down the hall into her bedroom. For Paul, this short walk brought a horrifying sense of deja vu. Growing up, Paul had always dreamed of being an angel. When it finally happened, he found himself tied to her vanity while she played with different combinations on him. Her sisters advised her about which different looks they liked best, and he felt so pathetic and humiliated. Tonight didn't promise to be any better. Just like old times, right, Nicole? Asked April. As she sat Paul down and used yet another pair of pantyhose to secure him to the chair. I know you're gagged. That was just rhetorical. Okay, I'll ungag you, but no yelling and absolutely no backtalk. April threatened as she untied the pantyhose and held Paul's phallic gag in place. Why are you doing this? Because it's fun, Nicole. You know that. I don't want to do this. Don't want to do what? Wear panties? You know I didn't make you put them on. You did that yourself. I... Aw. Panties got your tongue? I thought you had changed. Oh, I have, said April. I'm far more clever than I was before, and I think I'm hotter, too. What about being mean to me? You think it's mean? I don't want any of this. Truthfully... That just makes it more fun for me, laughed April. Actually, I know you want me to do this, but you will never admit it, not even to yourself. So stop whining right now, little girl. It's makeup time. Paul knew these sensations all too well. The cold feeling of April's touch as she smoothed liquid foundation onto his face. The almost ticklish sensation of the soft makeup brush as she applied a setting powder. The streaky application of a bright rose blush to his cheekbones. He had experienced it all before. April smiled to herself as she began to give Paul alluring smoky eyes. She wondered how long it would take before he realized that she was making him over for an evening look rather than daytime. She was quite happy with her work especially because she knew that his utterly feminine appearance disturbed Paul. In fact, for her, so much of the fun in this came from forcing him to do something he was drawn to but resisted so vehemently. We're almost all done, princess, cooed April. Don't call me that, demanded Paul. Is this really necessary? Necessary? Probably not replied April. But it sure is fun. 
I see that you let the holes in your ears close up, said April, changing the subject. I was supposed to keep my ears pierced for all those years. A good sissy would have. When we're done with you, you'll be a good sissy, just like you were in school. Now let's find an outfit to match your pretty underwear. April untied Paul from the and led him over to her closet. There she found a red satin dress that she thought would be very sexy on him and equally humiliating for him to wear. It was. Not only was the material sleek and silky, but the short skirt would show off his newly shaved legs. You know as soon as you untie my wrist so that I can put on that dress, I'm going to make a run for it. I never had any trouble kicking your ass, and as I remember, neither did Sarah. Do you really want to try both of us right now? Oh, grow up, Nicole, ordered April. You're forgetting all the blackmail pictures that I already took when you were sleeping off the drinks earlier tonight. You didn't. Want to try me? You looked so cute with a dildo in your mouth. Fine. What do you want? Just to have you model a few different outfits for us, you'll be back in your boring boy clothes before you even know it. Whatever. Let's just get this charade over with. April chose the red satin dress, nude pantyhose, and a pair of strappy red sandals. For the first time, Paul noticed that April had painted his toenails a matching bright red while he was passed out, and he noticed other feminizing touches as well. Reluctantly, he took the clothes off, relieved that she'd promised it would be all over. When he donned the clothes and let April fix the long to his head, Paul realized that few people would see him as anything other than the feminine creature he appeared to be, just like in high school. Even April was impressed by his appearance. Wow, Nicole! It's been a long time, but you look even better than you used to. I don't know what I was expecting, but it certainly wasn't that. Let's go show Sarah how great you look. Please don't. I don't want anybody else seeing me like this. I understand that, Missy, but if you didn't want to be dressed in women's clothing, maybe you shouldn't have stolen my panties and worn them. Hmm? Now you had better treat Sarah with the proper respect when you go out there. When Paul walked into the living room, Sarah did a double take. Oh my god, she's so fucking hot. I know, replied April. I think she looks better than she did in high school. Yeah, said Sarah, who had always thought Paul looked more like a girl than a boy. But I expected it to be harder to get a grown man to pass as a woman than a teen. I'm happy to admit I was mistaken. We need to get some pictures to commemorate today. Yes, our little Nicole has returned, chirped April gleefully. Now it's time to pose, said We wouldn't want to disappoint your many fans. 
The photo shoot was humiliating. Paul wasn't used to being dressed as a girl and appearing in all of the outfits that April had picked for him was a constant struggle. As bad as the clothes were, the ways that Sarah made him was even worse. She forced him to strike poses like some sort of pinup girl, sticking out his chest, blowing kisses, running his fingers through his hair, looking back at the camera over his shoulder with a seduct pout. Sarah made him do it all. Once Sarah was satisfied with the fifty or so posed photos in sexy but normals, April led Paul back into her bedroom, where she had him change into his silky red house, black leather miniskirt fishnets, and black leather boots with a five-inch heel. Back in the living room, Sarah snapped another twenty shots of Hooker Nicole. Then... April had Paul model a half-dozen ridiculously sexy costumes as she had worn for Halloween. He felt ridiculous posing as like-a-virgin Madonna and a Playboy bunny, but he had little choice. Even worse, with each picture that Sarah snapped of him, the girls' control over him grew that much stronger. It was just like old times in only instead of cheerleading uniforms and prom dresses, it was slutty lingerie and sexy designer clothing. Finally, he ended up back in the red dress that he had worn. Are you happy now? That was Mistress Lilith reading my story, April's Fool. And you can find links to our clip stores, as well as Mistress Lilith's website, in the description. Um... I just think Mistress Lilith, who we have not had on before, is really an excellent, especially for a first-timer, her knowledge on so many different fetishes is just first-rate. Other mistresses are very complimentary about just how much she knows. Um, she is more of a classic, I'd say, seductive dom rather than a cruel dom, and she also really, um, feminization... ABDL, things like that, that's her area. So I really highly recommend her. Now for the next clip, it's me. Like I said, this is a true story, and it was left out of Welcome to College for two real simple reasons. One, um, it just didn't fit in. There was a lot of stuff that happened during this particular semester of school, first semester, and so other things got that spot and then the other thing was the girls were stupid and almost killed me um you should never tie someone up and leave them alone you should never tie someone up and gag them and leave them alone and you should certainly never tie up tie up and gag a drunk person a very drunk person and leave them alone and that's what the girls did so uh, I'm going to play this for you. I'm going to warn you, it's my voice. And I thought about trying to fem it up a little bit, but frankly, you know, I didn't want to be doing like a Julia Childs thing. Hello, this is Kylie. And, um, so I went with pretty much my natural voice. I actually did change the pitch just slightly because I thought that might help me a little bit selling it on uh, some of the clip sites. Um, when I was dressing up all the time, I did not have a really, really girly voice. 
In fact, I have a very small sample I'm going to play. This is what my voice sounded like back in college. Thank you so much. As you can see, that's not exactly a really feminine sounding voice, but in the right setting, it's, it's okay. Since then, I do not dress up every day. I am very much out of practice in certain things. And also, as you get older, your, your voice tends to get deeper. So I, I don't sound like that when I try to sound feminine anymore. So I'm going to warn you, it's basically my male voice. And um, I think you'll enjoy the story, though, because it's actually pretty funny for a feminization story. So without further ado, here is me reading Maria. Again, I apologize for not having a really sexy voice. It was middle November of my freshman year, not not long before Thanksgiving and a couple weeks after Halloween. We discovered alcohol in the form of a bottle called of uh, Southern Comfort. Now, I had never in my life drank Southern Comfort, but I had heard about it. It was a drink that was sweet. And that high school kids drank in parking lots and in alleys and cemeteries and wherever else they hung out. So I didn't expect it to be particularly strong. There was myself and five girls. There were the usual suspects in terms of Amanda and Sheila and Karen and Tracy. But there was another girl that was a friend of theirs named Sherry. And for Halloween, Sherry had gone as Carrie, ironic, um, from uh, the movie Carrie. And for her costume, she had brought down her prom dress. So what happened was, um, after we had shared this fifth of uh, Southern Comfort between us, um, we were all feeling pretty good. And, of course, my uh, feminization, which was well underway, came up. And Sherry decided I absolutely had to try on her prom dress. So, Sherry runs across the hall, gets the prom dress, the underwear, the shoes. She had everything because she had just, you know, worn it for Halloween. And it was kind of an old-fashioned prom dress. Uh, I don't know if it was actually hers or one she bought specifically for the costume, but it was this big pink, you know, 1950s-style prom dress. Not that sexy. And the girls had me put it on and model for them, which, of course, they thought was hysterical. In their inebriated condition, they would have thought anything was. So it's about 3 in the morning, and... It's a weekday, but, you know, it's college, so that's our defense. Anyway, um, we're all drunk. I'm now dressed and made up and everything. And what do you do at 3 in the morning when you've got a guy in a prom dress? You go play pool. So we walked down to the back lounge of my dorm, and we had a game of pool. Now, I... You know, I was not at this point ever seen dressed up in the dorm if I could help it. Especially, I think Halloween for sure, 
But, you know, if people saw me, it was usually from a distance, very briefly, and usually just assumed I was a woman because they didn't get a good look. Fortunately, at three in the morning, on a weeknight, most everybody was asleep. And um, we went to the back lounge, undisturbed, and we played a game of pool. Now, in playing pool, I'm okay, I'm nothing special, and neither were any of the girls. But we did know the rules. Pool and foosball were two major pastimes at my college. And so, um, we played a game of eight ball. And I got to the point of going to sink the eight ball. And I caught the eight ball in the corner pocket. And I hit the ball, it went in, I won the game. Or so I thought. Amanda complained because the cue ball had hit the rail. Which she said I didn't call, which made the shop the shot slop, which meant I lost the game. So there was an argument that I wouldn't call heated. Amanda is super competitive. She was very irritated to lose the game. I of course had lost enough games of quote unquote masculine um, I don't know masculine pride to these girls, so I wasn't backing down. And most of the other girls were just happy to be drunk. So, anyway, after that, she walks off. And I'm thinking maybe she was just mad enough to storm off. And we're just, you know, sitting around the pool table, uh, rolling the balls back and forth off the rails, not really doing much, when Amanda returns. And Amanda has with her clothesline. And I know this is not good. Um, as I make a run for it, the girls who were not terribly interested in the pool game suddenly are very interested in, in grabbing me. So the girls grab me, and they move me over where the TV is in this area. And it's a carpetable area, the foosball tables, video games... Soda machine, um, all that stuff is on, you know, tile. But there's a little carpeted area with cheap love seats and couches and some chairs where, you know, people could watch television. So they grab me, they drag me over there. Uh, Amanda proceeds to tie my hands in front of me and bring them up over my head and tie them to the couch behind me. So what that does is my elbows are pretty much sticking straight out from where my ears are. And they tie my ankles together and tie them on top of a small square little end table. And then this is where they do something really, really dumb. Amanda had been kind enough when she went to get the clothesline to come back with pair of pantyhose, and a couple pairs of panties uh, for gagging purposes. And, of course, they were mine, I should add, which makes it much less fun to have them in your mouth. And so um, they proceeded to stuff the panties tightly into my mouth and then use the pantyhose to tie them in place. So I was very, very silent. The problem is, it is incredibly stupid to gag someone who is very drunk. Uh, the world of rock and roll is full of stories of 
musicians, like I'm thinking Keith Moon, who threw up, and, you know, if I was gagged and tied up, there would be no way I could do anything except to choke to death. Man, that would have been embarrassing for me, and, and probably even more embarrassing for them. So, they did that, they gagged me very securely, and then they put QVC on, and let me look at designer handbags and shoes and such at a very loud volume. Somehow, I still managed to fall asleep. And I don't know if the girls had intended to come back and get me, or they were just, and they were just so drunk that they, you know, fell asleep and forgot about it, or if part of my punishment was to be left left. Or the third option is maybe they thought I could get loose. There was no way I was... So I fell asleep sitting on the couch. And I awoke to a buzzing sound behind me. And I realized as I started to focus that this was a vacuum. My dorm had two people who cleaned the common areas. One of those people was a young Mexican woman named Maria. And the other was an old white guy named Frank. And they came and they cleaned five or six in the morning, you know, when everybody was. And sure enough, it's Maria who's vacuuming behind me. And she doesn't really notice at first, but then, because I'm not moving and only my little, you know, the top of my head and my elbows are sticking up, so I don't know if she even knew what I was. But as she gets closer, she gets around in front of the couch, sees me, and lets out. I don't want to call it a scream, but it was like a yelp. And she is suddenly very worried. And she's talking very, very quickly in Spanish. I took French in high school. I don't speak Spanish. She spoke way more English than I spoke Spanish. And her English was not very well. I mean, very good. So listening to this, I, um, I thought... Okay, this isn't good. She's very nervous for just walking in on a prank. And then she said the word that scared the heck out of me. She said policia. I don't know Spanish, but I had a pretty good guess what that meant. So I try and shake my head no and motion for her. And eventually she takes off the gag. And I kind of try to pantomime for her, mimicking laughing and such, that it's just a joke. So she unties me, and very sheepishly I thank her. And she's figured out for sure right now that I'm a dude. And uh, I walk back to my dorm room, and I do the walk of shame, and my roommate's asleep, so I get changed out of the prom dress in the dark and get into my bed. Pretty humiliating. The girls were half apologetic and half laughing about it when we talked about it the next morning. Okay, a year goes by. And when this year goes by, a lot of stuff happens. Following Christmas my freshman year, the girls made a really big effort to get me passable. And in certain circumstances, I could pass pretty well. And one of those circumstances was a dance club because... Between the pulsing music and the dark lighting, it was kind of hard to tell the gender of the person you were dancing with. And so, that's where they used to like to take me and have me dance with guys. And it took me a while to catch on to what they were doing. 
they would tell guys one of two lies. They would either say, oh, you know, my friend, she really likes you, but she's too shy to say anything, you know? Tell them I think they're cute. Or the second one, my friend just spoke up with her boyfriend, and she just needs someone to, you know, pay attention to her and make her feel good. And guys inevitably would come over to me and want to dance and talk and flirt, and I could never figure it out. I mean, I could make a decent-looking woman, but the girls I was with, they were really attractive for the most part. And so why were they ignoring the other girls to, you know, make a beeline for me? Well, that particular night, I was in a bad mood. I was not in the mood for dancing, and even though I'm not allowed to do it, when guys would come over and ask me if they wanted to dance, I'm telling them no. When guys are flirting, they're getting the ice princess. I am not cooperating at all. So finally, the girls, way earlier than they intended, but still kind of late at night, take me back. Um, I think Amanda drove. And the whole way back, it was just silent, icy. We get back uh, at the dorm. And there by this time, they live in a house off campus, but I still live in the dorm. And they lead me inside, and I see Amanda opening the back of her car. And I swear, these girls never ran out of rope, duct tape, or old pantyhose. Because she's got stuff for bondage. And the fact they're coming in with me scares the hell out of me. Now, normally I'd walk left towards my room, but they maneuvered me right, which led me right into the back TV lounge area. Now, I'm dressed for dancing. I have on my plaid sweater, I mean, my plaid skirt. I have on my tight sweater, hose, heels, you name it. And they moved me to where that sitting area is again and they have me lay down on a love seat and when i say have me let's just say they were very, they made me an offer i couldn't refuse so laying down on the love seat they proceed to hog tie me this time they don't gag me although i wasn't drunk at all so that wouldn't have been as big a problem but they leave me hog tied on this love seat it's a little after one and it's a weekend well Throughout the night, you know, as they leave, they turn off the lights, and I'm stuck, you know, laying hog-tied. And throughout the night, people are coming in, and when they're coming in, I see them, you know, peek poking their head, you know, peeking their head in the door, and then leaving, or grabbing a soda, and then leaving. And the back of the love seat kind of concealed me as long as I stayed still and quiet. And believe me, I didn't want to be discovered like that. And eventually, I actually did fall asleep a little bit like that. And I don't know if I woke up or was just aware of that vacuuming sound again coming behind me. Now, Maria's vacuuming, but she can't see me because, again, I'm laying on a love seat in the back of the love seat. You know, prevents you from seeing what's in front. Until she vacuums around in front. And she gets to the point where she's parallel with the love seat. And she can see me laying there. And she takes a look over at me. And I grunt into my gag. And she rolls her eyes and sighs. She proceeds to finish her vacuum. She proceeds to finish her dusting. She empties the little garbage cans into the big garbage can. And then 
Only then does she come over and without saying a word, she unties me. And I very sheepishly say, thanks, Maria. And I start walking back to my room. And she's just giving me this look like, oh, you stupid American college kids. You have everything you could possibly want. And you're doing this stupid stuff. And so as I'm walking back, the last thing I heard from her in very heavily accented English was, nice shoot. And, of course, talk about the walk of shame. I got back to my room, which by sophomore year, I had a single. No roommate, but of course the girls decided to have some fun feminizing my room, so I had a very girly single, and uh, I still had a little bit of time uh, before I had to get up, so I just lay on my bed in <laughs> in my little outfit, and I have to admit, I, I laughed to myself about Dodging another bullet that I didn't have, you know, a more get discovered by more embarrassing people than Maria. But man, what she must have thought of me and whoever had been doing this to me. I don't know if she thought I was a fraternity prank or what, but let's just say I was plenty embarrassed. That is it for our little podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's a little bit long today, but I guess you deserve that after putting up with my one week off. I will be back next Monday with some content, and frankly, I don't know what it is. I have some small ones from Mistress DJ that I'd like to put up, um, but I don't have any new long ones coming in yet. Uh, I will tell you that supporting me makes a big difference, whether it's checking out the links and maybe buying a, um, buying an audio or just becoming a monthly subscriber. There's a bunch of ways you can do it, but I got to tell you, it helps. I want to keep bringing these great audios with these amazingly sexy women reading them for you. And, um, I really appreciate you tuning in and listening. Uh, I can't believe how many listeners this little podcast has gotten, and I think it's great. So I will see you next month. Until then, I'm sorry, not next month. Jeez, I'm not that mean. Next week, and until then, have a wonderful week. Take care.